Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. The biggest games of the football season are coming and BetRivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, try a new multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combo. Combine player props, game bets, and even different same-game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at BetRivers. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com to place your bet. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into your Friday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Very excited, and not just because it is Friday, but because today's pod, all basketball, all pod long. Because uh, last time we only talked about the NFL on Wednesday, we had the lovely Mike Yam on from NFL Network, uh, but I missed handicapping basketball and mostly because basketball has been saving my butt with my NFL bets lately, even college. I'm looking at you, Alabama. I put it like a, a decent size, like two units on Alabama money line. And that obviously did not come home on Monday. So I'm a little salty about that, but fortunately, thanks to college basketball and yes, even the Lakers and the Clippers, I have made all of that back. So again, go to your strengths, go with what is working well for you. And that is why we keep track of our bets. So with that said, real quick, Monday night football, obviously going to be going on. So I'm not neglecting football here. We're going to talk about this game extensively in Monday's pod. So before the game, you'll get plenty of breakdown. Um, not that there's much more to add to this than I've already been saying about this Rams team, right? I don't trust Matt, Matt Stafford in this moment, and that's my biggest issue with this game. Now, that said, the Cardinals have fallen off a little bit here at the end of the season, and both teams, I mean, we've seen them play twice already and each won a game. So Rams, four-point favorite here, total sitting at 49.5. I mean... This slight movement here down from four and a half earlier in the week and 50 for the total. So just down slightly, uh, possibly people taking that under and, you know, betting a little bit on the Cardinals. But both teams won outright as small road underdogs in those regular season meetings. And like I said, the Cardinals have kind of fallen off as of late. They've lost four of their last five games. The Rams, meanwhile, they won four straight. But they lost their most recent game to the 49ers, in case you forgot that overtimer, which is also the first ever loss for Sean McVay with the Rams when they were ahead at the half. So end of an era on that record. Very sad. Um, but it does make me interested in possibly looking at a first half bet for this next game because that's still a pretty dang good record that only one time have they lost when they're ahead at the half. Uh, 
All of this to say the Rams issues may or may not, but definitely have something to do with Matt Stafford turning the ball over eight times in the last three games. He's 0-3 in the postseason. That was, of course, all with the Lions. So people love to say Matt Stafford's terrible in the postseason, but that was with the Lions. Come on. So I'm interested to see how he's going to look. And I hope that the Rams can survive in advance, if you will, if I can steal a little March Madness there. Because I just, I can't wait to talk about the basketball. Let's get into it. In today's show, first, we're going to recap Oregon at UCLA. That was an overtime game on Thursday night. And then, of course, we'll look ahead to their game Saturday versus Oregon State. So UCLA and USC going to flop, flip-flop opponents here because USC played Oregon State on Thursday night. Very good game by Oregon State, I have to say. We'll talk about it. And so they will host Oregon on Saturday. Uh, then we'll get into NBA. So NBA Saturday action as well. So much basketball. Oh, very exciting. Uh, I try not to, I like, of course I do, but I try in general to like actually take days off from betting in the week and just let my mind recover from the research and the betting. And so I don't get, you know, tilted, but this Saturday is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a lot going on. Lakers at Nuggets and Clippers at Spurs. So we'll get into all of that action. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. So like I said, NFL playoffs, Rams minus four. Total sitting at 49 and a half. Just a little bit of movement there. I hate this number. I hate it so much. Um, if it was at four and a half, you could have teased the Cardinals up to 10 and a half. At least got through that 10. Right now, you could do Cardinals plus 10. In a six-point teaser, um, so that's something. But you know, of course, if it lands on, ten, you'd, you'd like to get it past the ten, ideally, as a key number. We've talked about key numbers on here before. Quick reminder: three, seven, ten—just the common ones that a game would end on based on field goal or a touchdown. But it's really hard in today's NFL because we see a lot of missed PATs. I mean, we've moved that back and um, two-point conversions, things of that nature, and so. It is a little bit tougher, but in general, 3-7 and seven is usually what we're trying to get through. If you can get through 10-2, great. So Cardinals in a teaser, I don't hate that, actually. Because for me right now, the if I had to pick a side, it's taking the points with the Cardinals on the road. That's just where I'm at with the Rams, unfortunately. NBA, Lakers are 6-1 to one to win the West. They're 14-1 to one to win the championship. No odds up for that Saturday game just yet. And then the Clippers are 12-1 to one to win the West and 25-1 to one to win the championship. So last time I updated these odds, the Lakers were 12-1. to one. They're now up to 14-1. to one. And the Clippers are 22-1, to one, now up to 25-1. to one. So as you can imagine, they have not been doing well as of late. But again, we will get into that. You can find all these odds and so much more at Bet River Sportsbook. So let's start by talking about this Pac-12 basketball. I had a very fun night on Thursday. I went 3-0, actually, in all my Pac-12 bets. I had Arizona minus 15. I had uh, USC in-game minus 3.5, which was more of a sweat than I would have liked, so let me tell you that. And uh, before UCLA tipped off, UCLA-Oregon, I grabbed Oregon plus 10, and I parlayed it with over 142.5. So that was a lot of fun because that was like a plus 250 or so parlay, and it hit. Uh, it was one of those close ones at the end, actually, because the over did hit in regulation because this game went to overtime, but <clears throat> it just barely hit. It just barely hit on, I think it was a Tiger Campbell free throw that just sent it over 142 and a half. So hit that 143 mark and then sent it into overtime. And I thought, well, great. Now I probably definitely can't lose unless UCLA goes wild here and just beats 
Oregon by 10 at, or by 11 at this point, and I didn't expect that to happen, and it didn't. Oregon went on to win. So 84-81, to Oregon wins it in overtime. It's Dana, <clears throat> Ducks head coach Dana Altman's 700th win. Uh, Oregon covers, obviously, as a 9.5, 10, even 10.5 point dog at one point, and UCLA loses its first conference game, second loss of the season for them. Does anyone know who the other one was? Gonzaga, who tore about tore apart BYU and is just such an incredible, I mean, all-around team, but I am specifically was amazed by the shooting in that game. I think they went 10 of 15 from three in the first half. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, but that ends UCLA's five-game win streak. That is unfortunate, but it's not surprising to me, and I almost like, it's weird because when I was watching the game, obviously I wanted my bet to win, which is also terrible because there was a way for my bet to win and UCLA to still win as well, obviously, because I had 10 points to play around with, but... Um, I found myself like obviously cheering for my bet more than UCLA winning. And then I was like, wait a minute, we, we both things can happen. I want both things, um, but I did not get both things. I was not super upset at the end of this game because the Pac-12, if you've been around the pod for a while, hi, hello, good to hear from you guys. You know, if you tweet at me, if not, thank you for listening. <laughs> but... The Pac-12, I've said this about football, and I will say it about basketball, it's even more true for basketball this year than it was for football, but it's always the same. These schools are all really good. Like, they all steal recruits from each other. Um, and so it's a lot of dog-eat-dog, and more so than ever in the start of the season here, just fresh out of the gates. For example, the Pac-12, eight of the 12 have nine wins or more. That's overall, not just conference, obviously. And six of those teams are within three games of each other, right? So we have the the elite. We have Arizona at the top there uh, with one loss and I believe 13 wins. USC is 14-1 and one now, I believe, um, because they just narrowly escaped that loss to Oregon State on Thursday. Again, more on that in a moment. And, of course, UCLA up there. But now UCLA with two losses, so 10-2. and two, So not super great for that number three ranked UCLA. That said, my point is, this was bound to happen. This is where the cannibalism is going to come in. These teams are going to start knocking each other off. It's really interesting. It's very it's very hard to handicap for that reason. I talked about this in football season with different guests that came on and were like, the Pac-12 is so confusing. You can't count on a team to do what it does best on any given week, which is really weird. Uh, Stanford beat USC, gave them their first loss. Nobody saw that coming. And then Stanford goes on uh, to beat Washington State, a game that I almost bet. And I second-guessed myself. Don't do that. Could have been 4-0, guys. Missed opportunities. But Stanford goes on to beat Washington State, and they were a 7.5-point dog in that game after giving USC their first loss of the season. So, what? I mean, I know they were on the road, but I don't – and this is probably to my own detriment – I don't put a ton of stock into the home court advantage. We're seeing it go away and be less and less important, like if you look at this on Ken Palm or things like that. But – it is something that should be considered in these games. And for example, this is something I actually, in all honesty, did not factor into my handicap. And I'm like embarrassed to say, but you know, I'm not perfect. None of us are, right? <laughs> so, uh, but Dana Altman's 700th win. I had a friend, um, actually, who's been on the show before, Brendan Glasheen, who we love to talk about WNBA together because he does play-by-play -play for the Connecticut Sun. Um, he also works for DraftKings. He was messaging me on Twitter saying, hey, I want to take UCLA tonight. What do you think? And I was like, I'm on Oregon, so do what you, you, know, do what you want. Uh, but I said, I don't know. They've got Dana Altman. And so I factored in the Dana Altman factor, but it did not factor in the 700th win factor necessarily. And he was saying, oh, I didn't even think about that. That would have been part of my handicap. And I was like, oh, 
interesting because I don't know that, I mean, obviously he wants to win, but like he'll get the 700th win. Does it matter if it's against UCLA? I guess it's better. It's in Poly Pavilion. I don't know. Um, that's not something I would have necessarily considered. I just more was like, Dane Altman's a really good coach and Oregon can shoot the ball. You know, that's basically what, what came down to for me. I know we didn't talk about this game a lot before it happened because we talked football on Wednesday, but I was on um, the Coast to Coast pod, which is one of the VSIN family of podcasts, and it's hosted by Greg Peterson, also known as Hoops Peterson. You should follow him on Twitter if you haven't. I believe it's at GUnit, maybe 81, but anyways, uh, he is an incredible college basketball handicapper. He plays every game, and uh we talked about these games yesterday, and that was kind of the conclusion I came to was that this was going to be a good performance by Oregon. My one concern that I said was that they hadn't played any good teams yet, which was true, or they haven't they hadn't beaten any good teams yet, um, which was true. And now they beat number three UCLA, so you can't say that anymore. So uh, it's hard to say, you know. But also, before we get into USC and and Oregon State as well, because kind of a little yin and yang with these two games. UCLA kind of gave this one away in a lot of ways. So many chances to score, so many chances to win. They have to shoot better. Like, that's just, it sounds so basic thing or obvious thing maybe to somebody who's newer to sports and doesn't know a lot about basketball would be able to watch the game and tell you, that team's not scoring enough. Like, when they throw that ball at the hoop, it's not going in as much as the other teams. And that mm, seems like a good way to lose a game, and it is. Fortunately, UCLA's defense has been great. I think that the culture and just Mick Cronin also, time management at the end, incredible. The, the way that they sent this into overtime at the end was just chef's kiss. It was beautiful. It was beautiful to watch, and it was so fun. And I think that's why I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't care, but I wasn't super upset by the loss necessarily because I know that this team can do crazy things like that, like send this game into overtime when they had, what, 90 seconds left on the clock and they were down, what, six, something like that. So they were able to make kind of magic happen. And I can just count on them to be clutch in those clutch moments. It's unfortunate because then we go to overtime and they lose, of course. So I chalk that up to UCLA giving it away more and just not delivering on the offensive end the way they needed to. 23 points from Johnny Juzang, 13 points from Jules Bernard, but they shot 39.7% field goal percentage and 28% from three. Just by contrast, just so you know, USC, 37.5% from three. So USC basically was shooting what UCLA was shooting field goal percentage from three. So huge discrepancy there between these two LA teams. Um, and also free throws. USC is a terrible free throw shooting team. We know this. If you listen to the broadcast at all, or you maybe you've heard this already, and if you haven't, they're like one of the bottom five in all of college basketball in free throw shooting right now, which is absolutely an Achilles heel for them. It's going to trip them up. Um, UCLA has actually been very strong in that category, but tonight, 66.7% free throw shooting. That's not going to cut it. Oregon was 69% from free throw. They shot nearly 43% field goal, and they shot about 32% from three, which, like, credit that to UCLA's defense as well, because this is a heavy three-point shooting team, Oregon, and to have them come in and have that be their shooting percentage from there, I think that that's a credit to UCLA's perimeter defense, which is an area that... Um, maybe you you just wouldn't expect them to be excelling so much at, and, and here it is. So the proof is in the pudding there. UCLA gave this one away a little bit for me. But good on Oregon. They did what they what was working well for them, and that's a good betting strategy as well. Stick to what works for you and, and play your strengths. 
Uh, Dana Altman is a strength, and that offense was a strength, and they came out and they did it. I said over for this game because I knew that Oregon was going to push the pace a little bit, but I, like I said, this barely went over in regulation, and then, of course, overtime. And um, so wasn't a slam dunk in that regard, and I think that's also a nod to UCLA's defense as well. Um, and <laughs> frankly, their poor shooting actually contributed to this game being such a tight, barely making it over. That said, they have Oregon State now. But before I look at that matchup, let's talk about Oregon State at USC that also went on Thursday night. Um, I like that these are staggered a little bit so I could watch both of these and kind of focus, which was nice. Um, and it also gave me an opportunity to get in live on USC. I didn't want to get in before the game. I don't even know what this closed out. I feel like it had to be 12, 15, something like that uh, points in favor of USC. And I grabbed USC minus three and a half, as I said, in game, because I knew that the cream would rise to the top eventually, uh, even though it took a little longer than one would like. And it did not look like it was going to happen. It really did not. This USC team was really struggling. Isaiah Mobley, who's been kind of their little gold star guy, only 11 points that night, could, just could not get going offensively. Uh, so that is not something I would put a ton of stock in. That's not going to happen most nights. But that kind of explains why we saw such a close game here. And also... To that end, Oregon State played incredibly. Like, this this is not, talent-wise, this was not a fair fight. And Oregon State went blow for blow with them uh, as best they could. And it was, it was you know, the entire team effort here uh, was well-coached. They were very disciplined. That's what I would notice the difference between these two teams is that USC, to me, so far, and this is not my UCLA bias, being an alumna, whatever, USC has looked sloppy to me, right? The free throw shooting and turnovers. They had 10 turnovers in this game. And now Oregon State had 14, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're supposed to be the worst team. They're Of the two here, they are supposed to be having 14 turnovers. That explains why you're a 15-point favorite, right? So uh, 10 turnovers for USC, and this is on the regular. This is just not going to work for them. And also the free throw shooting. Again, their free throw shooting was actually identical percentage-wise to UCLA tonight, 66.7%. But UCLA, that's embarrassing. You don't want to be shooting like USC. And USC, this is just not going to cut it. The free throws are so essential for them, um, especially at the end of these, these games where you can get a team like Oregon State who can outplay you just by playing hard. Um, Jared Lucas, 27 points, huge performance from him. They actually had some foul trouble at the end. They had 23 fouls, Oregon State. That just shot themselves in the foot there. Um, so uh, just like I said, I feel like UCLA kind of gave away the other game. Oregon State was just clawing USC and was not letting them get away with this. And because USC was having, Isaiah Mobley was having that tough shooting night, similar to how UCLA was having a tough shooting night, um, Oregon State kind of had this door open where they could come in and, and do some things. So uh, credit, though, I have to say to Chavez Goodwin for USC. He's scary. He's a scary big guy for them. 20 points and, more importantly, nine offensive rebounds, which the team had 18. So he had 50% of the team's offensive rebounds. Uh, he is scary. I'm scared for Cody Riley <laughs> having to deal with him a little bit down the line. And uh, Drew Peterson for USC as well, 17 points. So other players stepped up where Isaiah Mobley maybe fell short a little bit. And that's okay because they need that. They need to kind of spread the wealth around a little bit. You can't rely on that one guy um, as Oregon State showed us. So with all of that said, they have Oregon next. Uh, USC, just side-by-side -side comparison in terms of offensive and defensive efficiency, 
USC is 27th overall, you know, in basketball, <laughs> not in the Pac-12, obviously. That would be impossible and terrible. But 27th in adjusted offensive efficiency. On the other side, Oregon 31st. Uh, so two really good offenses in theory, as long as both shots are falling. And USC's defense 20th in adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm and Oregon's 130th. So we just saw them play UCLA. This is an over game. It screams over to me. The only difference is, you know, they're coming off that UCLA game. It was an overtime game. How are their legs going to be? Of course, talking about the Ducks here. How are their little feet going to be? Their little webbed feet going to be? Uh, but <laughs> that was terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, but that would be my only concern with this game. USC obviously played the, you know, played Thursday. Oregon played Thursday. So same amount of rest for both teams. But uh, Oregon's on the road, and they had the overtime. So maybe that comes into play here uh, with slowing things down. And I wonder if USC's defense is going to give Oregon any trouble because UCLA's defense, just point of reference, 17th in adjusted defensive efficiency, and USC is 20th. So in theory, pretty similar, you know, well, defensive efficiencies, actually. Exactly. So... That's the only thing I would look at possibly, but this screams over to me. It might be too obvious. It depends on what the number actually ends up being. I'm thinking, I mean, what? This UCLA game was 142 and a half. So USC, I have to imagine that that's going to be even higher for this game. Uh, maybe 145 or something like that. And that might be a little out of reach for me. Uh, but maybe like a first half over would be something interesting to look at for these two teams. And then that way, you know, you get in, you get out and you don't have to watch the second half unless you're into that kind of thing. Uh, on the other side, UCLA and Oregon state also on Saturday, that one's at 7:30 PM Pacific time, by the way. And USC's game is at 8 PM. UCLA just has to do what works for them. Stick. That's the theme of the pod today. Stick with what works for you. They do a great job of taking care of the ball. They have one of the lowest turnover rates, um, usually really effective field goal shooting. Um, I think it was 52 and a half percent usually for them. And then Tiger Campbell, by the way, where was he? Um, needed more from him, especially on the offensive side of things. Uh, and that's me being hard on him because he's been incredible for UCLA. That's me nitpicking, but he's shooting 50% from three. I'd love to see more of that. He, I saw him second guess himself a couple times on those shots and I don't know what that was about. Um, but maybe it was just the pressure that Oregon was putting on them. I doubt it because of you know, Oregon's defense, but hopefully we see all of that kind of come back into play and that UCLA can get this offense figured out, man. I really want there to just be, we have them occasionally and I don't want to ask for more because I love this team so much, but if I had to ask for more, Jaime Hawkes, such an incredible player to have on the floor in all regards, but sometimes just doesn't do enough for me on offense. Like they need a second guy like that. Is it Jules Bernard? Cause it was tonight. I mean, Johnny had 23 points. Next closest was Jules with 13. I get it. They have a bunch of players who average, you know, in double digits. That's great. We spread the wealth, I guess, but you'd like to have somebody who can be the number two guy when it's not Johnny. And I don't know that UCLA has that surefire offensive option. Number two, um, so that'd be something that maybe as the season progresses, we'll start to see develop over time. Just have to score, have to have to shoot better to win. Those are my thoughts uh, with this game. I think Oregon State's going to be mad about that USC loss. Again, UCLA played in an overtime game. So how does that factor in? Just a week ago, Mick Cronin was saying they were throwing up in trash cans, running sprints. I love that note because it just makes me nostalgic for back in my athletic days. 
uh, sprints, man. But are they back in shape? Are, are they going to be okay? Uh, that kind of thing. So we'll have to see on game time. You guys, you, this one, this will be a game day decision for me, probably UCLA and Oregon. But my initial thoughts are that I would take the points with Oregon State. Excuse me, Oregon State. Um, because they're a scrappy little team, and so is UCLA. So could be interesting one. Could be this is I mean such a fun night Thursday was college basketball wise for these LA teams, and now they're just flopping opponents and playing against Saturday. So I think Saturday is going to be a really fun one as well. So good things to look forward to, guys. Uh, coming up, let's talk about the NBA. More basketball, Lakers, Clippers, also both in action on Saturday. That is next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet River Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. Welcome back into the Los Angeles City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Very excited. Yet again, more basketball, NBA this time. Clippers right now. Let's start with them. Clippers are 12 to 1 to win the West right now on Bet River Sportsbook. And Saturday, they're on the road. They play the Spurs. Here is how they've been looking as of late. The Clippers have covered two of their last three games, and they're four and six ATS in their last 10. So. Pretty coin flippy, pretty unimpressive. And overall in the season, I think they're 19 and 20 something. So not a great covering team necessarily, but there are other trends to be considered. TBD. Uh, the Spurs, actually it's not TBD. I already determined it for you, but we'll get there. <laughs> the Spurs, meanwhile, have covered zero of their last three games and their three and seven ATS in the last 10. So the good news is one of these terrible ATS teams is going to get another one in the cover column uh, stolen from the other bad team. Now, it feels mean to call the Clippers a bad team right now because they're way better record-wise. I mean, way, five games, six games. The Clippers are 21 and 22 right now straight up, and the Spurs are 15 and 26. But the Spurs are such a little spitfire. They're so annoying, actually, to... Handicap. Clippers on Thursday, by the way, they played at the Pelicans. I believe the Pelicans are two and a half point favorites, and they won this game 113 to 89. Yikes. And if you were watching this one, you might have thought, oh, this is going to be similar to when the Clippers played the Nuggets earlier this week, and they came back from a 25 point deficit. Uh, they ended up winning 87-85. That was at home, first of all. And second of all, the Nuggets are missing like a million players. So good on them to be able to do that against, you know, Jokic is on that team, I'm aware. But they keep doing these weird things like this, right? Like coming back from this 25-point deficit to beat the Nuggets and the time they beat the Nets when they were missing like everyone and their mother and somehow still beat the Nets with Harden and KD out there. So... Weird little things like that. That speaks volumes probably about their defense. Those were random games where they actually kind of got their shooting going. And it's just not something you can rely on from this team. The Clippers, I mean, they're 
one of the worst, if not the worst offensive team in the NBA, scoring 106.6 points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time this season. And in three of their last five games, actually maybe more, maybe four of their last six, they've been held to less than a point per possession. And that's, of course, since losing Paul George to his elbow injury, which TBD on that as well. That is actually TBD because we don't know when he's going to be back necessarily, and it could be longer than they're thinking. I've seen a lot of like little chatter that maybe it's like worse than we're expecting, but nothing solidified there yet. But I mean, they're already missing Kawhi Leonard. This is not the team that they built. This is not the team that they paid for, and this is the team we are now watching. Uh, but they are just not getting it done on the offensive side of things, except for on the rare random occasions where the shots are just falling for them that night. It's just tough. I mean, in that loss, by the way, or in the win by, to the Nuggets, they came back, they won by two, but they only scored 28 points in the first half of that game. Like, what is that? It's so inconsistent. It's terrible. And it's, I mean, it makes them a pretty easy team to fade for that reason. But at the same time, they came back and won that game. So... All of that to say, injuries have just been a huge, huge issue for this Clippers team. Uh, for example, six total players, including Luke Kennard and Isaiah Hartenstein, were out due to COVID or injury in that loss to the Pelicans on Thursday. And this game was particularly a head-scratcher for me because I know the Clippers were missing all these players and dealing with all of this. But the Pelicans have been like one of the least efficient offenses. I believe 25th in efficiency. Their offensive rating over the last, like, 10 to 12 games has gone up slightly, I guess. So maybe they're on the upswing here. But to win 113 to 89, like, that is so bad. And that's an indictment on both sides. Because how did they score 113 on you, Clippers defense, and then limited you to 89? Like, what happened here? So really just the wheels falling off on – all the wheels falling off of this at this point. It's so hard to say that this Clippers team is bad because they don't even have all their players. It's like, it's not a bad team. We don't know what kind of team it is because they're never all playing. Um, Luke Kennard, Winslow, health and safety protocols. Like I said, Hartenstein missed Sunday's game versus the Hawks earlier this week. Um, and he also missed Thursday's game versus the Pelicans. I mean, he's been out all week is basically what I'm saying. The Spurs on the other side, who they're playing next, uh, Trey Jones, Derek White, Drew Eubanks, health and safety protocols, COVID, sick, you name it, but they will be out most likely. Again, always check that before you make your bet or, or as close to game time as possible. Um, Spurs Clippers. What a barn burner. So excited for this one. The Spurs are 20th in efficiency differential, and the Clippers are 18th in efficiency differential. Again, if we're new, efficiency differential just takes the team's points scored per possession that they have the ball and then subtracts the points they allow per possession as well to show you how efficient they are. Are they scoring more points than they're giving up? Uh, Spurs offense, 19th in points per 100 possessions. Clippers, 27th. 27, so bad. Uh, and 21st in effective field goal percentage for the Clippers. That's gone lower. It used to be 19th last time I looked this up, now 21st. And the Spurs on the other side, not much better, 22nd in effective field goal percentage. Um, and that, of course, takes into account how many threes a team shoots. So really, this should be even worse for the Clippers, in my opinion, because they shoot a lot of threes. So that's the only reason it would be a little bit better. Spurs defense, 21st in opponent's points per 100 possessions. Clippers, fifth. They're fifth in their opponent's points per 100 possessions. So 
again, this is their strength. This is where they're succeeding. They're third in opponent's effective field goal percentage. So I don't think the Spurs team is going to have a lot of points on the board. But this Pelicans team was terrible. And they won 113-89. So for that reason, very, very sketchy to bet on. I will have to see who's actually playing for the Clippers. Is anybody coming out of health and safety protocols? Is everybody Who's in? Who's out? But this is what I will say about the totals because that is what I've been playing for the Clippers. It's been pretty straightforward. I feel like I should have something new for you guys here. Maybe I'll look into some props or something, but it's so hard with these players. I don't know. Uh, but the unders for me in Clippers games and then for the Lakers, I've been just waiting for the Lakers to fall behind and then betting them live, getting a ton of points or even taking the money line if I feel so spicy. So... For the Clippers, I'm going to look for an under in this game for sure. It depends on how low this number is. The Spurs, four of their last ten went under, and the six that went over were against better offensive teams. The Clippers, they've had an under in their last three straight. Again, missing everybody. And also, by the way, in their last 20 games, only seven of those have gone over the total. So under is tempting, under is tempting for this one. Even if I lose one, it's like you're still up so high from the other unders. So we'll see. That is TBD. That's to be decided. But I am leaning under for that game on Saturday. And the Lakers are also going to be in action. Lakers, 6-1 to one to win the West right now. They just lost one. I would not take that, by the way, if you're wondering. But it's there if you want it. Uh, they just lost to the Kings on Wednesday. 125 to 116. Now they're 21 and 21. So just riding that 500 line, just trying to stay above 500, please, is the goal right now for the Lakers. And the Nuggets is who they'll be playing on Saturday. They're at the Nuggets. The Nuggets are 21 and 19, actually. So uh, COVID injury issues for this. The Lakers, obviously, Anthony Davis is still out. Got to be coming back soon, though, right? Because we're coming into week two or three two, three that he's been out and he was supposed to be out for four to six. All right. Check back in February, I guess on that one. And then Carmelo Anthony is listed as day to day as well, but LeBron is not listed as day to day anymore. So that's good. And then I know Avery Bradley was also dealing with the next strain, uh, but he's not on that list anymore. So possibly still something that he's dealing with, but not listed anymore. As for the Nuggets, similar to the Clippers, just missing everyone and their mother, Jamal Murray, you name it. Will Barton is day-to-day. Jamichael Green was out versus the Blazers on Thursday. All said and done, they could be down six players in this game. So definitely check on that. But if that's the case, it's no surprise that right now Nuggets, 18th in efficiency differential. The Lakers, 22nd. Uh, wow. Wow. And it's not for lack of shooting well for the Lakers because they're 10th in effective field goal percentage. So thank you, Malik Monk, for helping with that a little bit. He's been boosting it lately. Certainly no thanks to Russell Westbrook. Uh, Lakers offense, 23rd in points per 100 possessions. So that just means like every time you have the ball, what are you doing? Because you're not scoring with it. But the times you do shoot, you're shooting well. Um, and you're obviously shooting a good amount of threes. Uh, the Lakers 21st in turnover percentage as well. It's not taking care of the ball. I mean, that, that sums it up for you right there. Why they're not scoring. Uh, and then they're 23rd in offensive rebound percentage. So the reason I care about that stat in particular this game is because the Nuggets are second 
in offensive rebounding percentage. So why would that be? I can't imagine. Do they have an MVP or something? Uh, Jokic, maybe you look at over his rebounds here. Now, I don't play a ton of props, so take that into account. But I'm here to educate, here to give information, here to do research so you don't have to. But maybe there's a play here on over his rebounds since he's going to be dominating the boards. It's going to be him versus who? LeBron? That's, that's their big guy. Uh, so... Not sure what this number will be set at. The books know what we know. They're going to set it as probably a pretty high number, but might be worth a look. And maybe if it's not too crazy juice, that's where I would look because the Lakers are certainly not going to be grabbing those boards. Uh, Nuggets being down all these key players. The Lakers should be able to win this one, but you already know how I'm going to play this. I'm going to wait for the Lakers to fall behind and then try to get a good number. I'll probably take points. I'm not necessarily... It depends on how they're playing, how they look. Eye test, I guess. But I'll probably be looking to grab some points with them, not necessarily Moneyline for this one. But you can always follow me on Twitter, at Danielle Avari, if you want to tag along. It was actually really fun and cool the other night because on Thursday, I went live on USC and I tweeted it out. And I don't tweet out my bets unless I really feel good about them because I'm so scared <laughs> that someone's going to tail me and lose money. And that's the opposite of what I want to do. So... Uh, sometimes I'll play a bet and it's my money, so I don't care about losing it, but I don't like to tweet it out unless I really, really feel like I have a strong conviction on it. Um, so, or I'll say in the tweet like that, this is for fun. Please don't tell me. <laughs> and you shouldn't tell anybody, uh, unless you have your own reasons as well. But I did tweet out about the USC one cause I felt good about that. You know, USC was down by like three at the half and I was, you know, you actually got a better number on in the second half, but say lovey. People followed it, was my point, on Twitter, a couple people. And if you're listening to the podcast today, thank you so much and welcome. And this is a safe space and we can talk about our wins and, more importantly, our losses here. But that is so cool and so fun because when people are like, hey, I tailed you and I won money, isn't that the best? Like, we all win together. It's us versus the book. So uh, follow me on Twitter if you want, I guess, was the point of that little tirade there. Lakers, LA Live, that's the way to play it. Even lean over in this game. I do. I don't know about this Nuggets offense being as, you know, the way it is. 22nd in points for 100 possessions. But 8th in field, effective field goal percentage, and they have Nikola Jokic. So maybe an over on his rebounds. LA Live, lean over, depends on the number. And as far as trends are concerned, four straight overs for the Lakers and five of the last six. So it's trending that way. So trendy. Uh, plus the Nuggets, by the way. They just beat the Blazers on Thursday. The poor Blazers. Can they... Just one defensive player. Just someone to help Dame out. The Nuggets beat the Blazers on Thursday 140 to 108. No, that was not an overtime game. So, looking kind of ovary here, in my opinion. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Please subscribe to the pod. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you guys. And uh, if you have any questions or concerns or anything like that, please, as always, feel free to tweet at me at Danielle Avari. I'll be back for more fun and games on Monday because we have Monday Night Football, another Rams and Cardinals, another coronary waiting to happen. So come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. 
Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 